Well, good morning, Highlife. Um, I trust you've been having a, a great week and uh, a great new month. You know, the month of August is uh, the eighth month of the year. And you know, the number eight is very significant because it speaks about um, a day of new beginnings. And I just want to prophesy over your life that this month would mark a new beginning for you. The end has come and the new has started. You know, there's a closing of the old and then there is an ushering into the new. I hope you're excited. I hope you're prepared uh, because I, it's not just a number. I believe that um, there is a significance in this year, uh, this year that the Lord has said he's given us grace to build. I believe that the timing of this month speaks about new beginnings in our building endeavors in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, I'm excited about getting to the word. I hope you are as well. I'd like us to bow our heads for a word of prayer. Uh, Father, we're just so thankful um, for the communion of the body. We're thankful for um, how you are leading us, how you've been leading us this year. Uh, I thank you because it's been a year of fortification. It's been a year of um, reprioritization. We've been, we're, we're prioritizing new things. We're, bring, we're being opened <coughs> to your new emphasis um, that is required for us to be able to build uh, the way you have ordained us to build. Uh, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your constant attendance. Uh, you never leave us. You never forsake us. So, Lord, thank you for leading us into this session this morning. Uh, light our candles and enlighten our darkness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to be um, continuing um, what I started last week, uh, where I started talking about the principle of weightlessness. So I'm going to conclude that part of my teaching um, um, today as we as we explore even further the anatomy and operations of the new creation. So we're going to talk about the principle of weightless, weightlessness again today. I'm going to date you a little bit and date myself as well, but how many of you ever watched um, the Karate Kid, uh, Karate Kid uh, featuring Mr. Miyagi? Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then go into the archives and get that movie out because it's a classic movie um, and there's a, there are a lot of life lessons in there. It was about a young man who wanted to learn the art of karate and he he came across this, um, this Chinese uh, uh, gardener and um, you know who knew the the art form, and and he, this young man submitted himself to uh, the mentorship or mentorship by this um, by this uh, Chinese master, and um, they began lessons. I mean, it's very enthusiastic to get into it. He really wanted to to learn the the art of karate because he was being bullied in school and all those normal things that makes movies so exciting to watch. Anyway, um, he decided he agrees to do anything Mr. Miyagi said. So the first assignment Mr. Miyagi gave him was to, I think there was this car lot and, and Mr. Miyagi gave him the assignment to go wax all the cars, uh, wax them down. So wash them and then wax them until you could see your um, reflection in the, in, the, in the car. And of course, this young man was very disappointed because he wanted to learn the art of karate. He didn't want to be cleaning and washing cars. So he thought this man was, um, was trying to take advantage of his youth. And, um, but Mr. Miyagi was very specific. He said, you know, when you wax, you need to wax in a certain way. You need to wax on this way and you need to wax off this way and just obey exactly what I said. And of course, after he did 10 cars, he was so frustrated, you know, but what he did not realize was that Mr. Miyagi was, was teaching him through what seemed like a, um, a rudimentary skill how to sort of uh, um, 
uh, observe certain movements, you know. And of course, later on, Mr. Miyagi showed him that when you're waxing on, you use it to block this way and that way. And of course, the boy got a little bit more excited. Uh, what's the principle? What's the point of the story? He couldn't see, the boy could not see the relationship between the exercises that he was being given and the outcome that he was looking for. And he had to trust the teacher, he had to trust the mentor um, to, to, to in, in terms of the process that you know he was taking him through. And oftentimes when the Lord is leading us and guiding us, we get a bit confused because we, we can't, uh, sometimes the, the dots only make sense backwards. You know, we can't, we can't, uh, we, we can't understand why um, in leading us where he wants us to go, he leads us this way and then that way and that way. But later on, we realize that um, what he's doing is that um, in at every point uh, of where he's leading you to, uh, there are things that he needs you to pick up. The essential, the essential, the essential skills that you need to pick up for where he is taking you to. Now, in talking about moving in the spirit and functioning as spiritual beings in the spiritual realm, you know, uh, I went through twelve practices that. I, I encourage you to get involved in and to to, uh, to to incorporate into your life as habits. And you may not necessarily see the relationship between those um, um, physical or what seem like physical habits with moving in the spirits. But there's a there's a very important uh, important correlation uh, because just like the spiritual realm dominates the physical realm, a lot of things we do physically have a spiritual component to them. Uh, and even though these are physical practices and physical habits, as we engage with them correctly and properly, there is a spiritual counterpart or, or spiritual uh, part of it that also gets activated and attracts to us the things that um, we truly desire. We've talked about identity, um, immersing yourself in, the, in who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you. We've talked about focus and stillness. And, um, and then we started talking about the importance of weightlessness. And, and I, I, I gave an example of, of um, the weights that the enemy uh, tries to put on us that affects our buoyancy in the spirit. Uh, things like unforgiveness, bitterness, hurts, which come against us. You can't determine um, who uh, throws something towards you that could hurt you, but you can determine how you respond to it. And it's very important that uh, we respond to hurt with forgiveness, respond to hurt by releasing uh, people that have offended us. Otherwise, the enemy's um, ultimate um, uh, objective, which is to cause a weight to be imposed in our lives, uh, will be achieved. You know, if you ingest poison, uh, it's not the person that gives you the poison that is gonna be affected. It's gonna be you and every part of your life that will be affected. And when we, in, when we receive bitterness, no matter how justified you feel, when you receive bitterness uh, and, you, and you, you, you uh, embrace your right not to forgive, what you're doing is you are ingesting a, a poison to your system and to your spiritual buoyancy. So that's a good example of, of, of what causes weight in our lives and affects our ability to ascend and move in the realm of the spirit. So it's important that these habits that we have talked about are practiced consistently and um, they will all come together. You know, it's like driving a car, you know, especially a stick shift, which for me is the only car that is worth driving um, in speed. Um, 
um, you know, you have to learn how to to press your clutch and engage the gears and look in front of you and, you know, 10 to 2 in terms of your steering. All these different things seem cumbersome. But as you as you get into these habits, um, they will all come together. And there's a reason um, for all these habits. And, and those reason that those reasons um, will ultimately affect your buoyancy and ability to ascend and to 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 um, to operate in the realm of the spirit as you have been um, you have been uh, your, your desire to operate uh, because the spiritual realm the spiritual realm is so different the realm of the spirit is so different from the natural realm um, and uh, and you know you can't you you could prepare for it as much as you can but it is only when you enter the realm of the spirit that you now see the relevance of all these different practices. It's a little bit like, uh, I don't know if you watched The Matrix. In fact, if you're going to follow me for any length of time, I'm going to be referring to The Matrix over and over again. I mean, The Matrix is a great movie, especially Matrix, uh, the very first showing, part one. If you haven't watched it already, you need to watch The Matrix, okay? Uh, and it, it's, it, it, uh, it's, it typifies, or uh, as um, better than anything else I've seen, the operation of the natural realm and the spiritual realm. Uh, the natural realm was like this matrix that these people were functioning in. And of course, the spiritual realm is the real realm. So Neo, who is the, you know, the protagonist, who is the one, you know, who is going to liberate um, a, a lot of people from the matrix. Um, when he when he took the red pill, okay, it, this is lost on you if you haven't watched it, but hey, it's not my fault that you haven't watched the matrix. Um, when he took the red, red pill, and he came into an awareness of this new realm, of this real realm. Um, his mentor, um, um, uh, Morpheus, took him back into the matrix and, and, and started showing him that some of the rules in the matrix can be bent, okay? And it's a little bit like what we're doing right now. You see, as you are, as you are, you are a spiritual being, uh, in fact, you interact with the realm of the spirit every day. If you didn't interact with the realm of the spirit, you wouldn't exist because you are a spiritual being. Your spirit functions in the realm of the spirit and exists in the spiritual realm. Uh, your level of awareness of that spiritual realm um, may be limited, but nonetheless, you are a spiritual being functioning in the spiritual realm. Every time you pray, um, every time you pray, um, you know, things happen in the realm of the spirit. Um, every time you think a, a thought, actually a lot of thoughts have their origin in the realm of the spirit. So um, you are engaging with the realm of the spirit every day. You may not be conscious, conscious of that realm, but that is the realm in which you live and exist. Of course, you also live in the physical realm and, and inter, in, the, uh, in the intellectual realm, but you function um, in the realm of um, of the spirit so um, and, and, and as you and when you enter that realm uh, in terms of growing in consciousness and actually moving the spirit you'll see that uh, there are there are um, the, 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 the rules of the physical realm uh, do not apply in the realm of the spirit it was a little, a little bit like Morpheus who was learning how to jump um, across two skyscrapers which is physically impossible and um, of course, the very first time he tried it in the Matrix, uh, he, you know, he plunged all the way down because he was trying to function um, using the limitations of his physical mind. And Cypher said, you know, everybody 
you know, everybody that tries the first time uh, always, uh, always fails. In like manner, you know, as you are, as you are practicing these things, even though we tend to start with a consciousness, the physical realm is the only realm that you have, you have become adept in terms of consciousness and operation. So a lot of times we try to apply the, the, the functions or the operations of the physical realm in the, as we try to move in the spirit. And it, it doesn't work because it's a very different realm. Um, but as we continue to, to do these things, these practices, um, a shift will occur. And, and the very first time uh, you shift into the spirit in reality, um, in terms of heightened awareness, you will see how different the realm of the spirit is from the physical realm. And that's why the very first sensation that most people feel when they make that transition is the sensation of fear, okay? Um, you know, I remember um, the very first time, um, you know, I, I stepped out of my physical body. And, uh, you know, I'd been meditating on the word. Um, I'd been practicing um, this, um, the, the, you know, practicing how to be still, how to meditate properly, how to be quiet, you know, and and I just I was just quiet for like twenty, I think it was a twenty or so minutes, and I was focusing. Now when you say focusing, you know, I talked earlier about um, making the decision to uh, to shift your focus from earthly things um, to to spiritual things, and and that statement may be difficult to understand, but as you you, you could start by just picturing the Lord and, and focusing on him, picturing him as, as, uh, as he appeared in, in Revelation 1 um, and, and begin to, to picture him. Uh, just take your, by picturing him uh, and that form, which is accurate in your imagination, as an accurate form of what the Lord looks like. Picturing him on the cross is not accurate because he's not on the cross. Um, he, seeing him as who he is now is accurate and when you when you place that on your imagination you are you are opening a door to engaging with the real christ and and christ is the object of everything we do anyway you know um so as you begin to focus on that picture um your focus is taken off the natural into the spiritual and then a shift occurs now uh back to my example the very first time so i was doing this and I was just quiet and focusing on the Lord and just and, and, and engaging desire, desire to move in the spirit, desire, desire is a key, which we've talked about before. And I was very still. I didn't move any part of my body. Very, very still, very still. And I think it was about after 20 minutes. I, I felt a sensation in my body and all of a sudden my spirit leapt out of my body. I, I, was, I was on the bed. My body was on the bed, obviously. And then I, I saw myself ascend straight up into the sky. Now, my very first sensation was fear. Now, this is something I've been believing God for. This is something I've been pushing. And as soon as that happened, it was so different from anything I had ever experienced that I immediately started saying, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid. God has given the spirit of fear. I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid. Of course I was scared, right? And as soon as I, I, I it's happened for like two seconds, and I was so afraid because it was so different from anything I'd ever expected. And I came straight back into my body, you know? Now the Lord is, 
the Lord is not going to, you know, if you're afraid, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to keep you doing something that is going to cause you fear. So even though I, I thought I was ready, when I inched into it, when I first experienced it, I realized that I needed to do I needed to do more because I was afraid. Okay. And, and, you know, you cannot move in fear. You can only, I mean, if you're going to move in the kingdom, uh, the kingdom of God operates by faith. Okay. Um, operates by faith. Everything in the kingdom operates by faith. Uh, Jesus said in Mark 4, if you don't understand the principle of the seed, um, you're not going to understand anything else. And the seed is the word which is planted in your heart and it releases faith. Okay. And, and faith is the foundation for fruitfulness. So I realized that this aspect of identity is very important, okay? And even though I've been talking about who I am in Christ, by tasting a little bit of what it means to be in the spirit and just how different that experience was, I needed to deal with fear. Okay, so I went back to who, I, who am I in Christ's scriptures, you know? Um, and, and you need to, because identity was one of the key things we talked about, and it's fundamental for you to move in the spirit because you're going to, I mean, you're going to encounter, um, you're going to encounter angels, you're going to, you're going to move through space and time, you know, the Lord can translate you to a different time to do something for him or translate you to the future or take you to another part of the earth to carry out an assignment, you're going to engage with angels, and the first time you see an angel, you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be like, you don't want your jaw to drop uh, to the extent where you can't even, you can't even, you know, you don't have the presence of mind to ask the angel exactly why he's appearing to you and what message he has from the father, because you're just overwhelmed by the whole experience. So we need to prepare ourselves um, for these things. And it begins by being immersed in an understanding of who you are in Christ. Okay, and letting that be part of your spiritual fabric. So when you step out into the spirit, it's not just in your mind. It's part of your spiritual fabric. And that's why the way you meditate and the purpose of meditation is so vital. Because it's not just about being able to recollect a verse of scripture. No, it is so that when you step into the realm of the spirit, you know who you are and you are not perturbed. You know, Colossians chapter 3 verse 3 um, in the New King James says that for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. What that means is that I am in Christ and Christ is in God. Anything that is going to touch me has to touch God first and then get to Christ before you can get to me. So it does not matter what I see in the spirit. It doesn't matter what experience I'm having in the spirit, okay? Because, uh, because I have no need to be afraid because to touch me, you have to touch God, to touch him, and then you have to go past the Father and get to the Son before you can get to me. Now, that understanding has to be part of your spiritual fabric, okay? So no matter what is happening in the Spirit, you are confident, okay? Because you are in Christ. Also, you know, in Matthew 28, verse 20, uh, Jesus, the last part of that verse, said, uh, I will be with you always. The Passion Translation puts it this way. It says, never forget, never forget that I am with you every day even to the completion of this age. Never forget I am with you every day. Now that needs to be a part of the fabric of my spiritual um, um, uh, of my spiritual matter. Okay, it doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter what's happening physically or spiritually. The Lord is with me. I don't have to see him to know he's with me because his word says he's with me always, every time. 
I am never alone, okay? The Bible says in Psalm 34 verse 7, it says the angel of the Lord encamps around those that fear the Lord and delivers them. So the Lord is with me. His angel is with me, okay? His angel surrounds me. I'm safe. Now, those need to be part of our spiritual makeup, okay? So that when we step in the spirit, we step in with confidence. doesn't matter what's happening, okay? The Lord is with me. His angels protect me. I am in God. I am in Christ. I'm hidden. My life is hidden. So I cannot be touched, okay? Um, um, of course, we know in 2 Timothy 1.7, seven says he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, okay? So it, it, as, I, as I step back into my body, of course, I try to get back out because I was like, Lord, you know, I'm not afraid of my body, but I was clearly afraid. So it took me a few, you know, it took me a, a while to really incorporate those verses in my heart. These are verses I've always known, I mean, I've known probably for decades, but, but, but there's a different level of intentionality. I could see why this was vital for my operation and effectiveness um, as a son of God. And, and by the time it took a, I mean, a few weeks later, you know, I was ready. In fact, I was expecting, you know, during my times of waiting on the Lord, I was expecting those, um, those, um, that sensation. And when the sensation came, I wasn't afraid. I was excited. It's like, okay, there's a shift about to happen. And from then, I could move, um, as of, of course, I was ordained by the Lord, but I could move with freedom, okay, and without fear. And, and I'd had, I had so many experiences after that. And, um, and um, I was not afraid. I didn't really, it didn't really matter where I was going, what I was doing, because the Lord is with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. And that will be the same for you, okay? Um, um, so we're talking about weightlessness today. And, and, um, and again, as we talk about these things, um, we will be, um, we'll be trying to sort of dig deeper because words mean different things to different people. You know, I'll try to be clear on, on what I mean. And as we give examples, you would see the importance of certain things and practices in our lives, okay? Now, there's this book I was reading, How to See in the Spirit, by Michael Vleiman. I'd recommend that book. Um, it's a great, great book. It's like a how-to. I've learned so much. Uh, and a lot of the practices that I've learned, um, I actually got from that book as well as some other books. But I, 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 it's very simple to read, uh, easy to follow, great examples. And he makes a lot of mistakes as well. It's always great to, to follow people who've made a lot of mistakes, okay? Um, so that you can learn from their mistakes and, and you could see yourself in those mistakes as well. So, um, so I was reading the book and, and there was an example in the book I wanna, I wanna read out to you, which illustrates the importance of weightlessness. He said, one morning at about 2 a.m., I was praying and waiting on the Lord just to see what he might tell me or, or show me. I looked up for some reason and I could see an angel of the Lord in the distance. He looked like he was going somewhere, but I called out to him and asked him if he could help me for a minute. He came over and asked, what can I do for you? I told him that I wanted to see more clearly. When I told him that, immediately his eyes looked like they were injured and bleeding. I asked him, what are you doing? His eyes then became normal again. And then he said to me, your eyes are damaged from all the garbage you have put into them over the years. But the Lord... Jesus can heal them. And then he turned and left. Again, he said, your eyes are damaged. So your ability to see, remember the question was, I want to see clearer. And the angel said, you, you could see his eyes were like bleeding. And he said, your eyes are damaged. So 
because of the damage. He said, your eyes are damaged. No, he's talking about spiritual eyes now. Your spiritual eyes have become damaged by the things that you have put in them over the years. And then he said, but the Lord can heal your eyes. Now, ungodly things that we see, ungodly things that we have seen, not only defile us, but they cause damage to our spiritual eyes. And, and the damage they cause to our spiritual eyes will cause distractions in the spirit. Because um, they will cause distractions in the spirit. Now, we have physical distractions. You know, we talk about the fact that don't watch too much television, don't get on, don't get on social media so much, don't be moved by what you see around you or what people say, etc. They are physical distractions. But there are also um, distractions that go beyond physical distractions, okay? Um, because he was saying that your eyes have become permanently damaged but as a result of the things that you have put in over the years. It has a cumulative effect, all right? You see, what you look at, what you look at and what you allow, what you feed your eyes on, tunes your spiritual eyesight, Okay, it tunes your spiritual eyesight, it tunes you to darkness, and it creates a veil. It creates a veil over your eyes, um, and this is cumulative now. It creates a veil over your eyes, and it causes you to be distracted. It causes a distraction in the realm of the spirit. Okay, um, when you are feeding on darkness, or when you are allowing um, um, the the um, you know communications from the enemy to to go into your eyes. It's not just a an immediate thing that happens. I think okay, I'll take my eye off. No, but cumulatively, it retunes your eyesight. Okay, it retunes your eyesight. It's a little bit like, um, you know, if you put on somebody. Imagine you have a friend who uses um, really thick rim glasses, and you just put them on for you know put them on for a while and take them off. It it can it can damage your eyesight. Now, just by taking those glasses off doesn't repair your eyesight. No, there's a process of repair that needs to happen. Otherwise, your eyes could be permanently damaged. So when we use the word of God, when we get into God's word, the word of God, um, you know, Ephesians 5 talks about the washing of the water by the word. The word of God not only washes and cleanses us internally, but what it does is it also recalibrates our eyesight. Okay, There's a ministry of the word that brings healing to our eyesight, causing our eyes, our spiritual eyes, to be recalibrated, Okay, um, enabling us to see even more, even more clearly. All right? Distractions can be anything in the spirit, anything that keeps us from, um, from being able to um, to see into the unseen realm, okay? You know, Job said in Job, Job 31 verse 1, he says, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a woman. Okay, looking with lust as a woman is sin, obviously. But beyond the sin um, or, or, or the, the, um, the defilement it brings to you as a person, it also does something to your eyes, Okay, it, 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 it calibrates your eyes. It recalibrates your eyes to darkness, okay? Um, and, and that is why the, the, the things that the, 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 the word worms us from, 
okay, uh, warns us about, and not just because of the temporal implication or the fact that we're disobeying God, okay, but but there's something that happens that, of course, it can be, it can be, uh, you can, um, you can, uh, the Lord will heal those eyes, can heal those eyes through the intentional application of the word. But I just wanted you to understand that it goes beyond just the temporal sin and say, okay, Lord, uh, I'm sorry. And then, you know, you receive forgiveness, which you do. Um, but there's a damage. It's a little bit like somebody holding um, a, um, I don't know, like, a, you know, like playing with a, a grenade, you know, it blows up in your face and you need plastic surgery. Okay. You might survive it, but there's still a process that needs to be uh, that needs to be uh, employed for, for you to fully leave the implications of that thing, okay? So it's very important, you know, uh, in terms of lust, in terms of things that we watch, you know, pornography, you know, um, um, in terms of, you know, even even things that horror movies, uh, horror movies, you know, it's, 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 it's so important to understand that the, the impact of these things um, goes beyond... Um, just the temporal sin, which is grave in itself, but there is a there is a, a recalibration of your spiritual eyes um, that that also occurs. Now, understand that some of this is un, is unavoidable. You know, we live in a in a very sensual world. I mean, you can't get on on Facebook or or even watch regular television or you know or um, you know on Instagram, and you not see people parading themselves in a way that. Is either lustful or it's just it's just over the top, okay. So so some of these things, and that is why us being immersed in the word is so important because there's some things that come on us just naturally as a result of being a functioning human being, you know, in the world in which we live, and that is why immersion. You know, we talked about the spiritual immersion before. Immersing ourselves in the word is not just so that we can be full of the word, but it 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 breaks um, some of those things that get on us. Um, as a result of just functioning on earth, the things that we hear, um, the, you know, the, the, the things that keep on drummed into our ears from our colleagues or by the news, you know, who are purveyors or, or should I say, you know, servants of fear, trying to push fear into our minds, trying to push fear into our thoughts. Immersing ourselves in the word is so important, even more so now than ever before, you know. Um, but the cleansing of the word... Uh, through, de through deliberate ministry of the word, where you're receiving the word into your heart, the engrafted word, where you're confessing the word, where you're speaking the word, what you're doing is you are changing the atmosphere around your, uh, around your, your, your spiritual man. You're also ministering to your eyes. You're bringing healing um, to your eyes through the word of God. You are bringing healing to your heart through the word of God. And these are, uh, these are essential if we're going to move um, in the spirit. Look at Proverbs, 20, Proverbs 4, uh, 25. You know, Solomon says we should set, he says, set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead. Ignore life's distractions. Watch where you are going. Stick to the path of truth and the road will be safe and smooth before you. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked for even a moment. Um, or take a detour that leads into darkness, okay? Don't take a detour. Don't, be a, don't allow yourself to be distracted into darkness. Darkness blinds our eyes, okay? You can't see. You cannot see when you're in the dark. And that's why it says, look ahead of you. And, and by look ahead, it's saying, 
be, be, be single-minded on what the word says. Your imagination, your thoughts, let them be focused on what the word says. Philippians 4, it tells you what to think about, okay, to keep you in that place of peace and, and, um, and, and spiritual uh, vision and accuracy in spiritual vision. Look at G, the Lord speaking to the Laodicean church in Revelation 3. And, you know, as we read these things now with fresh understanding, we, we know that a lot of these things are not just metaphorical. It's not just, it's not given a metaphor. It's speaking literally, okay? In Revelation 3.17, he says to this church, he says, you claim, he says, for you claim, I'm rich, I'm getting richer, I don't need a thing, yet you are clueless. Yet you are clueless that you are miserable, poor, blind, barren, and naked. So I counsel you to purchase gold perfected by fire. The New King James says, buy from me gold, from me. I am the source. I'm the one that's going to bring healing to you. He says, purchase gold perfected by fire so that you may be truly rich. Purchase a white garment uh, to cover and clothe your shameful Adam nakedness. Purchase eye salve to be placed over your eyes so that you can truly see. All those I love, I dearly love, I unmask and train. So repent and be eager to pursue what is right, okay? The unmasking, you know, there's a prayer that um, Rick Joyner always prayed, um, which I always pray as well. He says, Lord, show me the level of my present deception regarding what I know, okay? The unmasking is the Lord showing us our true state, okay? Showing us our true state, um, um, uh, training us so that we can see properly. And the true stage of this church was that they were blind. Their eyes, their spiritual eyes had been damaged, okay? But the solution, the Lord said, is come to me, come to me and ask for eye salve, okay? Ask for repair. And the way we come to the Lord is by submitting our hearts to him in humility um, 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 and, and, and allowing the engrafted words to, to, to bring healing, okay? Ministering the word to our hearts, speaking through ourselves, through meditation, you know, and embracing the truth and, and then and then correcting our focus and our priority. Okay. You can't be correcting your eyes and still damaging them at the same time. Okay. So so and, and you know it's all done by the grace of God and the grace is in his word. Okay. The grace is not in your self-will. It's in his word. So so start immersing yourself in the word. Okay. Um he said come to me, buy from me, uh salve from your eyes. All right. So it doesn't matter um, how how bad it's been. Um, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. There's more than enough grace uh, for anything that has caused damage to your life. There's more than enough grace to bring uh, complete resolution. Now, there's something else I wanted to show you here. Let's turn to Hebrews. Uh, look at Hebrews 10. Uh, Hebrews 10, 20. Okay. Uh, today, I'm just focusing on weightlessness and also on this, bringing that emphasis of um, of of the the realm the spiritual realm there is a spiritual realm okay there is a spiritual realm and it's real okay look at what Jesus uh, what was said about the Lord here I read from the Passion first and then I read the King James I like the way the King James puts it he says for he has dedicated a new life giving way for us to approach him for just as the veil was torn in two Jesus's body was turned open to give us free and fresh access to him. So for us to have access to him, the body 
of Christ had to be broken. Okay, his body was broken for us. His body was ripped apart like the veil in the temple was ripped from top to bottom. His body was ripped apart to give us access um, to the Father. I like the way the King James puts it. It says, by a new and living way, which is consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. Okay, so his flesh was a veil. It was a covering. Okay, and for, for, for us to access the Father and the Spirit, the veil of the flesh had to be broken, had to be stripped. Now, when the Bible talks about the flesh, of course, in this application, it's talking about Jesus dying um, and, and the flesh here um, is really, really talking about his physical death. Okay, he died physically and spiritually, but, you know, he, he died physically. His body had to be broken. Um, physically, okay, but but I like the the phraseology here, and I think that you know it, it's it's quite intentional. It says the flesh is a veil for access into God. In like manner, when the Bible talks about the flesh, uh, it's not just talking about the physical body because there's a flesh realm, and then there's a spirit realm. Okay, now the flesh realm is a veil. So for us to move freely in the spirit, we must penetrate that flesh realm, okay? We must penetrate that flesh realm, okay? So there's a veil that is brought on by the flesh that must be penetrated to function freely uh, in the spirit. There's a spiritual realm and there's a flesh realm. Look at uh, Revelation 1.10. Uh, this is the Apostle John. He said, I was in the spirit realm on the Lord's day. And I heard a voice behind me with a, uh, a I heard behind me a loud voice sounding like a trumpet. I was in the spirit realm. There's a flesh realm and there's a spiritual, a spirit realm. He said, I, I was in the spirit realm. And when you read Revelation 1.10, you see that it was, it, it was, it was almost like um, it was intentional. Okay, he, he moved into the spirit realm to function as a spiritual being in that spirit realm. Okay, this was something that he, he did by his own decision. Because later on, uh, I believe it's Revelation 4, uh, the Lord said, come up here and I'll take and I'll show you. So it was like an ascendant. Uh, ascending in that spirit realm was instituted by the Father. But you can function in the realm of the spirit. Um, you can function in the realm of the spirit, almost like intentionally, okay? But said, I was in the spirit realm. I was in a different place, in different realm on the Lord's day. So there's a spirit realm and the flesh realm. Now, when I talk about the flesh realm, or when the word talks about the flesh realm, of course, it, 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 the context determines what it means. So in the, in the case of Revelation, um, Hebrews 10, that we read in a second, uh, a second ago, or a few minutes ago, was speaking about his physical flesh. But when the Bible speaks about the flesh generally, it is speaking about a government, okay, a government um, of a demonic infrastructure, okay, that dominates systems, thoughts, and actions, okay? A government, you see, the flesh realm has its roots in a demonic infrastructure, okay? It's, it's, it's part of Satan's governmental operation. It is a system, okay? It is a, it is a system of thought. It is a system of operation 
that has its roots in Satan's demonic world and dominates, okay, and dominates um, the natural realm, as in the realm of our thoughts, the realm of our values, the realm of um, our behavior, but its root is in is from a demonic infrastructure. Okay, so when we talk about the flesh, we're not just talking about physical, okay? Because the, the, the flesh realm, the flesh is rooted in a spiritual realm of darkness, in a spiritual realm of darkness, okay? Now, let's let's break, let's, let's open that up a little bit, okay? If you look at, um, if you look at, um, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, and this is a familiar passage. I'll read this quickly. Um, it says, For although we live in the natural realm, the New King James says, Although we live, uh, although we, we walk in the flesh, we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using uh, manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. <clears throat> we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as um, you choose complete obedience okay now it says that we are spiritual beings okay we do not we do not engage in our warfare in our warfare campaign using natural weapons and then he talks about the things that our warfare campaign does um the new king james talks about casting down imaginations bringing thoughts into captivity you know uh red being ready to punish all disobedience now the things that we consider the flesh um typically consider the flesh are you know the way we be the 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 works of the flesh okay um uh, adultery fornication lying all these things that are sinful things are the works of the flesh um the thoughts that are in opposition to god's thoughts but remember here those thoughts and those behaviors don't just happen okay the reason why um we we walk in those thoughts and behaviors is because there is a communication from a satanic dimension that is influencing us and we are we are rendered powerless to resist okay we are rendered powerless to resist nobody wants to walk in drunkenness and and behave you know it behave in a way where you're vomiting all over the place and you can't control yourself but a person that is that is that is caught up in drunkenness is 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 oppressed by a system that is affecting their ability to resist. And that's why the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says to effectively resist this, we must engage our spiritual weapons. Okay, so the, the, the flesh realm, yes, we see the, the, uh, the result defect in the physical, but the, the, the source of that domination is coming from a spiritual world. Okay, uh, it's coming from a spiritual world. So there is a flesh realm which is dominated by darkness, and we see the results of it physically or naturally. But then there's the spirit realm, the actual realm of God, which uh, you might you might consider or, or call the the third heaven, where you operate in the liberty of sonship, 
Because being in the spirit realm or functioning in the, in the realm of the spirit is not just a location. It is also a dimension of operation where you rule and reign in Christ using your spiritual uh, um, using your spiritual weaponry to punish all disobedience. Okay, and having the freedom to see, to hear, and also to operate um, using the powers of the world to come from that place where we're seated in Him in heavenly places. Okay, so thoughts, uh, thoughts are communic- The th- thoughts um, are the communication mode in the realm of the spirit. Thoughts are the communication mode in the realm of the spirit. So when we are having thoughts or when you have somebody dominated by thoughts, there is a communication that is coming from the realm of the spirit that is affecting the way they think. And, and because of their lack of understanding um, or they are under, uh, of how to resist those thoughts, they are dominated by those thoughts. And those thoughts, um, when they have, when they have, um, when, um, when they have had their full operation in that life, will birth sin. Every sin starts with a thought. And that thought does not necessarily come from that person. It comes from the realm of the, from the flesh realm, from the, the operation of the realm of the spirit. Okay, so there's a there's a flesh realm, and then there is a spirit realm, and to 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 operate freely in the liberty of the realm of the spirit that belongs to the sons of God, we must penetrate the veil. We must penetrate the veil, which is the flesh. You know, speaking a little bit more about the flesh realm and the spirit realm. Um, if you look at um, you know Romans chapter eight verse six, I read the passion and then I'll uh, and I'll flip over to the NIV. Verse six says, "For the mindset of the flesh is death." Notice the flesh has a mindset. Okay, it's not just a physical thing. It has a mindset. The mindset of the flesh is 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 death. It it's it's um it is um you know it, it, it is referen- it references death. It's it it draws its mindset. It draws its mindset from the realm of death. It says the the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. Okay? So the flesh, the mindset of the flesh is always opposed to the mindset of God. It 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 embraces um, a, a thought process that says, oh, it's this can't happen. Oh, this is impossible. No, this is not the way it works. No, it can't be this complex. It, it, it's adopting a mindset that is controlled by the realm of death. But the mindset controlled by the spirit realm is a, is a mindset of life. It's a mindset of peace. Look at the NIV for verse 8. It says, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Okay, they are weighted down. Okay, they are, they are, they are in bondage. They can't control themselves. They are not, in, they're not operating in liberty. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit lives in you. And if anyone doesn't have the spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. Okay, so you have the ability, you know, like Neo, um, your first attempt, you might fall between the, the, the skyscrapers. But you have the ability to function in the spirit because 
the Spirit of God dwells in you, okay? And there's a mindset of the Spirit. The mindset of the Spirit is, is, is tuned into the possibilities of the Word. Jesus said in John 14, 12, he says that he that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. By implication, I go to the Father, and the Spirit is going to come, and it's going to dwell on the inside of you, and it's going to guide you into all truth, into the reality of you functioning in freedom and liberty, in faith, not fear, in everything that belongs to the sons of God. Okay, so you see, when the Bible talks about people, there are three types of people um, um, mentioned in Scripture, three types of people, and we see these three types in 1 Corinthians 2 and 3, okay? Again, talking about the distinction between the flesh realm and the spirit realm, and, and the people that are operating the flesh realm or the spirit realm. So there are three kinds of people, okay? If you look at um, 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 and 7, uh, I read the NKJV. It says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Notice, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Not amongst everybody. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. This age is an age of darkness, okay? Under the domination and the philosophy of the God of this age, which is the fallen morning star, uh, which, is the, which is the devil, Okay? It says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for our glory. So we are accessing a wisdom which is not time dependent. It is not age dependent. We are, we are, we are accessing the wisdom of the morning stars, which is the wisdom of God himself, which is ageless. Verse 14 says, but the natural man, okay, natural man, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. He can't know them. The natural man is a man that is that is dead in the Spirit, a man who is not a Christian, is not saved, is not in Christ. You know, the Bible talks about the fact that we have moved from death to life. Okay, we move from death to life. When we have the life of God in us, we enter into the realm of life. Okay? So the natural man is somebody who is unregenerated, okay? That's the natural man. He can't understand these things. He cannot. I cannot understand the operations of the realm of life, okay? Um, a witch who does astral traveling cannot, is a natural man. They operate in a sphere of death, okay? They do not operate in the sphere of life. They cannot understand the wisdom of the life of God. That's the natural man. And then he says, the spiritual man, but the spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged by no man. So we see two kinds of people. We see the natural man, and then the spiritual man who is able to discern. The word judge doesn't speak about condemnation. It speaks about, uh, about, about setting something against the light, okay? The, 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 the spiritual man operates in light, and therefore is able to discern um, all things. He's able to discern all things. Uh, when I say discern, it doesn't mean he's discerning between light and darkness, okay? He's discerning the mind of God about matters that he's being confronted with. He can ascend, he can operate in dimensions of the spirit because he's operating in light, okay? Verse 16 says, for who has known the mind of God that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So we see here that two kinds of people are identified 
the natural man that cannot even comprehend the things of the spirit and the spiritual man uh, to whom the wisdom of the ages can be freely discussed and received. But then by implication, he indicates that there's a third kind of person because in verse, uh, verse 6 it says, we only speak this wisdom, the wisdom of the ages, among the mature. So there's a third kind of person which is, is talked about directly in the very next verse, which is 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1. It says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, people to whom the wisdom of the ages can be received and can, be, can grow in the wisdom of the ages. You don't have to be perfect to enter into the wisdom of the ages. You just need to be spiritual. Okay, You need to be able to discern the things of the Spirit. He said, I can't speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal the word carnal there is, um, is uh, in, the, in the Latin, it comes from carne, which means meat. Meat speaks of, it's, it's like a people that are controlled by meat, a people whose appetites are wholly controlled by the natural, and therefore they are fodder, as it were, canon fodder for the, the government of darkness. They are in Christ, but their lives, in terms of their understanding, is darkened, their ability to process wisdom is resisted by them, okay? Um, and therefore, they are, they are just under, they are in Christ, but they are people to whom we cannot speak the wisdom of God because they even resist it. Now, notice here, it says, I speak to you as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. They are in Christ, but they are babes, okay? That word babes is not brephos, which speaks about a baby based on their their, their time in, on the earth, it's actually nepios, which speaks about somebody who is unskilled, who at this age should be skilled, but because they are not exercising themselves, they remain unskilled, okay? It's not because there isn't availability of wisdom, but they are not appropriating the wisdom that is available to them that would ensure that they become strengthened. They are babies, unskilled, okay? It says, I feed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you are not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, divisions amongst you, and you're not carnal, behaving like mere men. That word mere men could be natural men, men that have no comprehension and no exposure and, no, and cannot understand the things of the Spirit. You as a, as a baby in Christ can understand the things of the Spirit, but you can choose to remain um, to remain blinded through a decision not to follow the path of light, um, which is going to be open through humility, through meditation, through investment in the spirit. Uh, as I said last week, the Bible says that when you sow to the spiritual of that spiritual life, reap life. Okay, these are people who are not sowing in the spirit in any way that is uh, that would res result in any action or any consequence in terms of coming out from under the operational government of darkness and beginning to step into the operation of light. He says, for when one says, I'm of Paul and, uh, and, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? Are you not uh, babies? Are you not, um, you know? So when we talk about milk, we're talking about something that um, at the right age would be nutritious for you, 
but at the wrong age will not okay milk is not always nutritious in fact as you get older they actually tell you to reduce your intake of milk okay because your organs have developed uh, and your needs have developed beyond the uh, the the need for milk okay but if milk is all you can take then milk's all you can take okay something that lacks sophistication um complexity uh, it's a life of simplicity um that 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 uh, an ingestion that will not strengthen you to engage with things that are productive in a way that makes a difference to anybody's life you're just being it's like being on a drip you're merely um you're merely being sustained okay and you, and you are you are ingesting things that can't even give you energy okay um lacking sophistication all right so it's important as i bring this to a close it's important to understand that we are not in the flesh we are in the spirit okay only if we submit to the patterns of of god um and it's also important to understand that um um, you know, all the things that we've talked about, okay, uh, keep emphasizing the same thing, all the things that we've talked about and all the practices we've talked about um, are, are so that we can function effectively in the realm of the Spirit. It's a different dimension. It's a different realm. It's our realm. And it's the only realm from which we can make a big difference. It's the realm of God. It's the realm of, of, of kingdom, uh, kingdom dominance or kingdom, yeah, kingdom dominance. So do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, but be intentional, understanding that it is not just about preventing you from sinning. It is not just about um, um, increasing in your knowledge of God. No, it is applying these things in a way that energizes our spiritual man so we can move unhindered um, in the realm of the spirit in a weightless way. We now understand why meditation is so important. Um, it, 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 it heals your eyes. Okay, It surrounds the spiritual atmosphere around you with um you know with with the life of god we we see why uh, uh 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 protecting our eyes from things that damage protecting our ears from things that damage protecting our hearts from things that damage are so important uh, so that we can operate freely okay when we allow damage into our eyes and ears our hearts we are bringing ourselves under the government of darkness because it is only darkness that doesn't want you to ascend and operate as a son of God. I trust this has been, um, it has been productive. Um, enjoy the rest of your week. Um, ascend and dominate. God bless you.